Thanks for joining us for the latest episode of Perspectives YYC. Today we have a bit of a unique recording. I got to sit down today with four amazing Calgarian entrepreneurs, Al Karim Dasani of Round Square, Richard Dulles Reyes of Goat Shop, Brett McDermott of Our Daily Bread and Salon Catering, Pete Ems, world-renowned DJ, and the owner-operator of Hi-Fi Club, Commonwealth, Home and Away. We sat down to discuss where they came from, what it took for them to get where they were, and where we ought to go in the future in our city. Uh, what struck me was their sense of gratitude, their humility, and their dedication to working hard to build this city into well, my hope as well, a cultural hotspot. And the talk was really inspiring for me, and I hope you'll find it inspiring for you too. Uh, send us some feedback. Uh, subscribe, a like, a comment. Just let us know how we're doing and how we can continue to work together to keep this change going. Mic check by just introducing ourselves, and uh, we'll go around the room and cool. we'll start with Al. Yeah, so uh, my name is Al Karim Al Devani from Round Square. My name is Brett McDermott from Our Daily Brett. I'm Richard De Los Reyes from Goat Shop, and I'm Pete Ems from Small Town TJs and Hi-Fi Club Commonwealth Home and Away. Uh, my name is David. I guess Yan, but I wanted to invite everybody here today because uh, you're all kind of interesting and neat and successful and fascinating uh, to talk about where we are today as a city so maybe if i can get an idea of like how it all started how did you become a developer uh, get into food get into style and get into music i'll start because my story is probably not as interesting as these guys um yeah so i'm a i'm a born and raised calgarian so i grew up here i've lived here my entire life i've never lived anywhere else so kind of through and through um so i know a lot of the guys around the table i've had the opportunity to to be around them and consider them friends and peers. But at one point, like I used to stand in line for hi-fi because Pete was very dedicated to not allowing to let anyone jump the line or pay the bouncers. And so, you know, I used to stand in Pete's lines for hours to get into that club because it was always like the coolest place. And born born on the east side of Calgary, kind of in the northeast, I was uh, southeast in Dover, eventually moved to the northeast. And um, I started, uh, I got my real estate license right out of high school, um, started you know, sitting show homes, getting paid hourly for that while I was uh, going to university and eventually got my marketing degree from UFC. Once I did that, I uh, wasn't sure if I wanted to go work for someone and I tried. So um, my dad actually had uh, worked at CP Rail his entire life uh, for like 35 years and uh, they offered me a job. So I went there for two weeks and I, I felt ter terrible because like their uh, 
I think they talk about their training program costing like $50,000 per employee. And so they really like invest in that. And so I did it for two weeks and then I was like, sorry guys, like stuff for me. And I was like, just realized like I, I couldn't, I couldn't go and work for someone else. I had too many other aspirations. And so I joined my brother's um, company. He was building homes. And then uh, we just talked about like, Hey, like there seems to be this movement towards coming back to the city. Uh, like there's the inner city looks really cool. There's no architectural controls. Maybe we can do something creative. And so I spent um, the last decade almost building kind of single family homes within the inner city. Uh, and in the last three years, um, we realized we didn't want to be selling million dollar homes to, you know, the one percenters. And so we kind of pivoted again and moved towards a multifamily mixed use um, development company. And uh, now we're, uh, we'll do 200 homes um, and close to 40,000 square feet of commercial uh, in the next two years in Calgary. Uh, we have operations now in Winnipeg as well. And so, yeah, uh, it's it's funny how things have evolved for us. And I think for me personally, um, when you find your passion and you really find your drive and what you love to do, uh, I think like many of the guys around us, it doesn't feel like work anymore. And so I'm privileged to feel like, you know, I, I, I'm super uh, passionate about this city, the city that gave my parents their first kind of opportunity. And, uh, you know, I'm so excited about helping helping it grow and being a part of the culture and for me personally now it's more about placemaking than it is even about homes like it's about finding ways to make people interact and how to create amazing spaces that you know all walks of life can enjoy thanks al uh brett yeah so um i guess mine started um back in university i went to saint mary's in halifax and uh my my first entrepreneurial venture was uh throwing parties and um we, we would bring out DJs, and Pete was one of them at one time. Um, and I got back to Calgary in 2008 and didn't know what I wanted to do, thought I wanted to go into advertising, but um, there was quite the downturn at that time. And so um, I ended up working in sales, um, worked for Xerox at one point, and you know, never loved my day jobs, but I, I worked for a catering company on the side. And uh, that was kind of my one constant over, over a few years. and. Um, when I decided to quit my day job uh, in sales and then um, go into food full time, um, I was really excited and I did that for four months and then the, the place that I was working at had a fire and um, all of a sudden I was jobless so I had to figure out what to do and, um, and so this opportunity arose where I um, started private chefing and uh, so I was doing that and it was great and, and kind of catering on the side as well and and uh, I just started building it from there um, and I think any any time you do something entrepreneurial in Calgary everyone's like super supportive and um, they really you know help you out and, and spread the word and um, yeah it's been five years with the almost five years with our, our brick and mortar store um, and then we branched off uh, salon catering last year to uh, separate the two and uh, yeah it's been a pretty wild ride so far this is Richard, and um, how I got into the in, into the industry was uh, was was kind of was was a necessity for myself. It was uh, kind of just doing uh, my friends' family's hair as just being a young person. When we were young people, we were playing sports, whatnot, hanging out with your pals and stuff like that. Instead of going to a barber shop, we would kind of just pocket our money and. I would be that person who end up doing each other's hair. I never really knew that that really stuck with me and that was really with me as much as it was uh, until I got a little bit older. But playing sports and just being around those group of friends, knowing that what I did helped them carry themselves differently. 
I never knew that that really, that I was that person that helped that happen. Uh, never knew that that was so much part of, of uh, what made me tick and what made me do what I was doing or wanted to do what I w wanted to do. I wanted to continue doing that. And um, um, so here I am now. Yeah, here I am now. Hey, Pete. What's up? This is Pete. So uh, I'm also born and raised in Calgary. Started DJing when I was a youngster because I was like so obsessed with taking over the music in any situation. So at house parties or hall parties, and that was that was in the early '90s. And then and then uh, I went away to school at uh, UWO in in uh, London. Started to get more into the music and DJing while I was out out there at school. Um, like making a little money on the side. Got to see uh, a bunch of different artists that I probably wouldn't have had the chance to see if I was out here. Uh, a lot of DJs from Detroit and Chicago would come through London on their way up to Toronto. So we would see guys like uh, Derek Carter and, and uh, Frankie Knuckles and guys like that, uh, Juan Atkins, some of the seminal uh, house and techno guys from out there. So really, really got the bug uh, and, and, you know, wanted to get turntables. Um, couldn't, couldn't afford them as a student, but would just started collecting records. And I would, I would go over to other people's houses and, and, and try to try to get on the decks as much as I could. So uh, yeah, really caught the bug out there and then uh, finished school. And I, I, I got a, a science degree. I, I'm actually a geologist uh, by training, came back to work in that field in Calgary uh, in the late 90s and uh, started DJing out here around the same time. And uh, eventually in, in 99, got a, got a job DJing at the Night Gallery uh, with, with my partner, Mike. And that was the first time we DJed together. Uh, we, we connected on a bunch of the same music and, and same records that, that uh, we'd been collecting. So that went really well off the bat. It was, it was a great scene down at, at the Night Gallery. Uh, a, a, like Calgary was, kind of kind of seemed a lot smaller smaller network smaller scene at that time in 99 and and uh loved that place like the night gallery to me is is like still the best venue in the history of calgary so we kind of built it up from there and in 2003 we ended up opening up a, a record store and clothing store called giant 45 which lasted close to 10 years and then um in 2005 the night gallery was kind of kind of tailing off a little bit it was on its last legs and we Decided we either had to move the night we were doing or, or open up our own place. So we decided to go with that. We, we kind of on a shoestring, we th threw, our, uh, threw our money together and, and, and opened Hi-Fi in 2005. Yeah, just, just it was basically our, our home base. We wanted a place to, to play our, our records and, and to bring in shows that we liked. That worked out well as well. And uh, rolling on from there, we, we opened uh, Commonwealth 2011 and uh, Home and Away in... Uh, 2015 and uh as as al said we uh, we love uh, you know i love calgary i, I love the city and uh you know i've had had some opportunities to move over the years but uh you know feel like the, the people here and the energy here is is uh, just one that's uh, infectious and and uh love being here what are you guys thoughts about uh yeah, finding that spark of needing to do something for yourselves um and uh, maybe the relationship that it has with the city um i'll take this one first uh you know this this city has um even before even before talking about the city um i i think my mother has has uh i think all of our parents has done a lot for us to be here and i i think we need to show a little bit more gratitude towards those people because they've sacrificed a lot 
for us to do what we get to do and how we get to do it. They've provided us choice and that's what we get to do here in Canada, let alone in Calgary. And Calgary is my home. Um, I need to be happy with where my feet are because I can make it as good or as great um, or as shit as I make it. Um, it's really up to me and you know, I do have that choice and have to, uh, for myself, I really feel like I need to do myself right, my family right, and uh, not take those things for granted. So, so that there's my choice. And I, I just really want to give back to the city the way it's given back to me. Like it's, it's raised me, it's given me, it's given me my family, it's given me my friends. That's a beautiful thing and I want to help create some of that. And when you said that you, you, you touched on the arts, I, I think I used to once view myself as, as a artist. I used to view myself as an artist, but um, um, I think that's also a word that is overused a little bit, right? Um, and I, it's not that I don't think of an art, think of myself as, as creating stuff, but like, that's just it. I consider myself to be more of a creative than an artist. And I'll let like those true artists really hold that title and being able to be a creative, I think helps artistry live. I hope to be a strong helping hand to art being created here in the city. So, um, yeah, that's, that's why I kind of do it here in the city. I was at, I, I agree with you on that 100%. I feel like, uh, you know, what you're kind of also alluding to is, is like a support network. That's one. Of the, I just did a panel a couple of weeks ago uh, with a, a with Mandy Stobo and a couple of other artists that were talking about um, basically operating in, in a boom town like Calgary. The, the, to me, the support network extends even further in, in, in that, you know, because because we're in Calgary and, you know, there's a, traditionally a, a strong economy here i've I've always felt like we can operate here and have more support than than we would in in potentially in a bigger city where there's more competition and so so i feel like uh you know you know as far as calgarians um supporting the arts and supporting uh the, the creatives i mean um it, it works well because there's there's generally a high standard of living. People can afford to support uh, things that they choose, and and so I I think that's been a huge factor as as to uh, you know us us um, enjoying some success here for sure. Just quickly before uh, Brett jumps in, the weird thing I think for me is uh, at least at my tier when I meet visual artists, etc. Especially, they get the opposite impression, which is not to say that uh, Calgary doesn't in inherently have. Uh, spending money but that the concept for example of buying a local artist's mural or um you know uh, supporting an artist in a visual sense uh, they don't get a positive feedback at least by reputation i just talked to a painter who told me that a gallery owner said that that there are these caps even in booms in calgary that the fine artist can't sell like in toronto a painting could sell for 100 grand but in calgary apparently that cap is closer to 25 or 30 allegedly i mean I, these are not uh, worlds that i live in of course but um it's interesting just to throw that out there because i feel like um 
I don't know, Brett, I mean, we'll jump in because Brett definitely had something to say, but um, how is it in the food industry? And like, uh, is it the same as music where you're feeling that kind of uh, more measured support here? Yeah, I think, you know, everyone, uh, everyone's a foodie these days. So uh, I, I think, um, you know, we, we enjoy a, a great quality of life here. And, and uh, as such, people are pretty well traveled and so they've gone to other cities they've they've tried different restaurants and um and so when there's new exciting restaurants in calgary um people are very supportive of them and uh it's, it's a small scene definitely but but some of the restaurants here are, are world class um a really small scene but but yeah everyone gets behind it and uh and you know i, I think once you're in it for a while too like and, and you've had a good experience, you, you want to do more places and, um, you know, just spread it around. So quickly, I wonder too, like speaking to you guys, what the role of, let's say business and commercial commercialization and, you know, um, how do we combine those things? Cause it seems like maybe you're all a little bit better at seeing the merging point between those, uh, than someone like me who's making a print magazine that I, uh, try to make myself every day. Um, I mean, what is, is there a business strategy aspect or perspective that's required to survive as an artist here? When I look around this table, I mean, I, I see, I see three guys who are, who are really strong on, on both sides, uh, on the business side and, and the creative side. And, and to me, uh, that oftentimes equates to, uh, the, the, the best success in, in, uh, you know, across, no matter what industry you're in. So I feel like when you know when you're operating in, in the arts or, or or whatever industry you you know if if you're if you're if you're able to be business minded as well then you know you're going to have a higher chance of success it's it's not always strictly about um you know unless you're some kind of like creative genius whose work is is so unreal that that it, you can kind of like rise above uh and rise above all the noise then that's that's a different thing but but you know, 99% of the people are, are not operating like that, and so, um, yeah, I think that it's it's a balance, and and it's it's a difficult balance, and it's one that we all struggle with because, you know, we've all we've all got a million ideas, you know, running around in our head, and it's a way of like, uh, ca- capturing those those like like capturing lightning in a bottle and like trying to trying to rein it in and 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 tr- trying to turn it into some kind of product that you can market. <laughs> Yeah, and I think like Pete nails it on the head. Like I've I've had the opportunity to work with artists on 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 larger scales. Like even when you think about the architectural field, like architects are artists in nature. They're leaving footprints and buildings behind, and they're all very particular about that. So I think the one thing about artistry that's interesting though is, like Pete said, you see an artist who's defined to hustle and realizes like, okay, I have to, I have to get paid. I have to feed mouths. I'm not just stuck in my artistry. Like I'm not just going to do it the way that I always want to do it. And I think that's what you're talking about is a missing point. Like if I paint a painting and I think it's worth X, but market won't give me X. Well, then I have to, I have to go back to my expectations. That's what I do in the business world. So when I produce something and I say, Hey, I want you to lease this space or I want you to buy this space because it's worth X to me. Unfortunately, like I can't hold steady on that price because I have a business to run. And if market proves and demands it's not worth X, I, re- I reallocate my expectations. I think for, for, for myself, what I've tried really hard to do, though, is continue to build culture. Like, and I think the artists are an important part of culture. And I think the city does recognize it, although you know, turbulent at times. And I think like 
you know, Rich is Rich is an artist in his own right. He he's a he's a he's a placemaker. He he creates vibrant communities. He gives people a better feeling about themselves. And so I think you know when you think about that word and its impact, and you talk about the work that Brett's done in the food industry and what Pete's done in the music industry, it's like I think all of us probably have so many friends that have left, uh, and and they leave because they they leave because they feel like there's lack of opportunity or. There, there's there's more opportunity somewhere else and there's some creatives that you know I, I don't know like I, I like you know tongue tongue is a really good example for me one of the most inspiring designers that I know uh, and he was making us all custom leather jackets like we all would walk into his shop and tongue would make us a custom leather piece and we would all be super stoked but maybe that wasn't right for Calgary and I would say you know in his case he was like decades ahead of his time not only for calgary for like globally tongue is doing was doing stuff that was so inspiring so then he goes into a bigger city and he takes his skill set and they eat it up and that and that's just numbers sometimes right like you, you go to a city like vancouver or toronto you think about the population and, and where they're at and what they're doing and what their disposable income sometimes you can't compete about with that but i think for, for myself and, and and i think the around here part of the beauty is like actually being the catalyst in our cities like you know what pete's done for the music scene is in in our city is like profound like that will always be you know known and i think that that's true that's true legacy uh when you talk about something like that that you know pete could have left he probably could have been successful with mike somewhere else but they decided to stay and really like bring something to our city that you know um could have been somewhere else and so when you see them help and bring our city along and like sled island and all the things that they've really contributed on it's 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 something that we all should be really proud for and i think we do see people starting to collaborate and really give back and i know for us too like you know the city is starting to bring us with them uh and especially in times when the economy starts to struggle and you know we were fortunate to have that just yesterday uh you know, we just announced a joint partnership with the city of Calgary, um, which will be our largest project ever. Congrats on that, yeah, by the thanks, way, man. And um, yeah, and for me, it was like it, it was like I'm, I'm I was literally in awe like that we got that opportunity. Uh, and it was like back to the place that, you know, my parents first came to Canada and Calgary and accepted us. And now I get to go back and add value in that community. And so, um, yeah, I can't I can't say enough about the city. And, and I think, you know, if you're doing with intention and, and, and with a business framework, I think I think there's still so much opportunity. I was just at uh, the Central Library, which is incredible, first of all. Um, and they had a citizenship uh, announcement. And I walked by these tables of all these families who are so happy because of all the work they put in, but also to join the community here. Um, and uh, for me, being... Uh, an exodus from Toronto and, and like reestablishing my life here. I, I love this city. I, uh, like you said, the support, you know, the moment I said I would try to do something different, everybody's trying to give me some direction or some, something. Uh, and so there's definitely something culture I feel like in my experience anyways, uh, that's different in Calgary. But I wonder too, I mean, I guess my two thoughts, um, I'll, or everybody, I should say, um, one was the, Kyle and I were having a pre-chat and apparently a cynical person said that with the population density of Cal uh, Canada in general, we can't have culture here because there's just too few people, which I think is offensive. But um, but from a marketability, sustainability and business mind, um, is there something to that? And secondly, kind of through that question as entrepreneurs, I mean, was there something that had to happen for you as creatives um, to assume the business mind or do you f feel like you always had a business approach even at the beginning i think um 
I actually don't remember what the first meal was, but I actually cooked a lot of vegetarian food back in the day because my wife was vegetarian and um, I ended up getting hired to cook for a bunch of yoga retreats, which allowed me to travel. And in that kind of um, dictated kind of the, the style of cooking that I do. And then the, the same week that I decided to quit my day job and, and to go into food, I found out I was celiac. And this was like 10 years ago, I guess, that I found that out. And, and so that, that also kind of dictated how, how I had to cook. And, and so the whole approach was like, how can we make great food but not uh, call it like gluten-free or whatever. It just happens to be gluten-free. It's like calling a salad vegan. Um, but I think on, on the business side, um, you know, I did a business degree, but I, I'm definitely learning more now than, than I ever did. I, I got a D in my entrepreneurship class. You know, I think once, you, once you're in it and um, like, I, I've had a bookkeeper since day one and, and I've worked closely with her on, on the numbers and, you know, but once you take on debt and, um, things become very real yeah <laughs> it's like do or die so you know i'm i think i'm most uh in in the biggest infancy stage out of the four out of the group here i, I i've been dealing with a lot like i'm not a business minded person but i've quickly become one i i know that my uh my my passions and my wants and what i want to give back my general output um, comes from a legit place. And it's not that I'm like being just whimsical and thinking that will carry me and I'll be fine. Uh, I, I, I'm a little bit wiser than that. But uh, I also do think that real sees real, right? And, you know, you put your hearts, you put your passion into it. You do things with sincerity and people take notice of those things. Do you need to keep your books? Do you need to, you know, uh, understand what's going on and understand the ebbs and flows of, of, of what's going down? Uh, yeah, 100%. But that also involves that group that surrounds you and who you surround yourself with, right? Who you let in. Um, I, I, I think I've early, early in my development, in my shop, I've had a lot of people giving me input on what to do, what not to do. And uh, I, I think that that there has been the strong helping hand for me to be here right now. Right. I think we, we touched on that a little bit before we started recording, but for, for, for us, um, you know, when, when you start out, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur and you're working on your, on your, your own business, you know, the, the, it's, it's, it's a really small operation. You've, you've, you know, you're really nimble. You're, you're really grinding and hustling to get things going. And then, and then the more it grows, um, the more it becomes about relationships and, and teams and, 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 and building those teams and having the right people working with you and, and working for you because that's everything. They're, they're, basically, they're basically your proxy. In, in what, and so they need to understand your core values and they need to understand uh, what you're trying to achieve and what your goals are. And, um, you know, f from my standpoint, like, those are the closest people to me in the world because, uh, you know, they're basically representing us so closely um, that they have to, you know, to me, it's super important that you have the right people working with you and working for you uh, because otherwise, uh, you know, you're not, you're just, you know, it's become more clear to me that that's, otherwise it's, you're not going to have success because uh, there's just, uh, there's just too many 
aspects of the business that need to be taken care of and need to be um, addressed in in the way that you would do it. I want to add to that, but but going back to the one comment that you made about culture and the city's lack thereof, I think that shit is just bullshit. And then you like you got to call that out when you can. There's too many haters on this city that like always like talk about like oh well Calgary this Calgary that like we have a Muslim mayor. We were one of the first like cities in the world to have a Muslim mayor. Like our cultural demographic mix is absolutely like profound when you actually go and look through it. Like you talk about the central library, you talk about the national music center, like we're investing in real public infrastructure and we continue to have like, like look around the table. Like we, we have a really, really strong cultural fabric. And I think for people to say, Oh, well the population doesn't know how like go drive down 17th Avenue Southeast. Like, like it's so easy to feel and it's, it's just, just the fact that I think people like to paint brushes and and really not dig in, and so uh, to me that's that that gets me really frustrated at times because we are a very progressive city. We're moving in the right direction, and we have good leaders in place, you know, from a political perspective that are willing to go to bat right now for some of those progressive changes. And the one thing that a lot of people don't understand is like change takes time. Like you know, Copenhagen did not become Copenhagen overnight. Like it, Jan Gell first shut down the first street in Copenhagen that was shut down to vehicles was like over 55 years ago so you think about like it, it they got to where they are now with their cycle infrastructure so those changes take a very long time um but and and you can't stop fighting that fight because it doesn't happen overnight the one thing that pete did say that i think is really important too is like as a as an entrepreneur and obviously rich being early like when when you start i'm sure brett and, and even pete feel this like you're you're um you're the one you're the one doing everything when you start and you you're you're the workhorse like you are putting in everything every role every position that you can and and you're really an operator um and what what starts to happen is you recognize that you can't do it all by yourself anymore and so you go out and you try to find this team that can help you uh, achieve your goals and continue to help you grow your company and, and really finding what you do well. Like what, what, you know, that's, that's the thing for me is like, I know I'm not good at certain things. And I know there are people that are, that are better than me at, at so many things in our business. And so we, we have this term that we were starting to throw around about how those, those guys are mentoring up. Like I'm learning from them. We hire these people and they're teaching me. And I think that that that's something that we've always talked about in our teams and in our hiring processes is like bring your value, bring your personality to the table because uh, it's so important. And, you know, as a as a leader, one of the things that we talk about, too, is like we we delegate and then we elevate. And so I'm never threatened. Uh, a lot of times you'll hear people and we try to teach this corporately for our culture is like, don't ever be threatened if someone can take what you're doing, because if they can, that means that you can now go and find another opportunity to elevate yourself. Um, there's this book that I've read. It's really changed my perspective on business. And I think it's really going to help me, our, our firm grow. It's called Traction. Um, and really all it's about is, is really defining like expectations and, and how to find the right team and what you want from people. Because I think that becomes the, the, the most challenging thing. And, and I know for me, and I think I hear it with a lot of entrepreneurs is like, we, we got into this for the love of something else. And we, we want to operate. We want to continue to operate. We want to get, you know, get in deep, but then you realize like you stagnate yourself in growth. And so if we can't find the right people or attract the right people, getting to that next level, it becomes extremely challenging. In response, I mean, is there something about surviving as a business and then wanting to do something exciting and creative that are naturally at odds that you guys feel that you are bringing together? So in other words, like we're talking about, you know, is the Calgary uh, Central Library um, such a beautiful building, but 
Is Calgary it? Tower is, is a nice one, too. Calgary, Calgary Tower. You know, I, I, outside of my normal uh, shit talking to Calgary Tower, just because uh, I'm from Toronto and I'm an asshole, um, I, we did one of those city underground tours uh, where you get to pick a space, and we went underneath, and there's a train station under there because it used to be a commuter thing. And uh, we got to go inside, and it's actually kind of like a silo. My grandma used to work there. Yeah, it's it's the it's beautiful. VFD I don't know why that. they don't. That should just be a tourist site, man. It's still they still have all the original uh, things. I used to go there when when I was a kid. Uh, but uh, no, I I don't know. I mean, uh, I was talking to one artist, and she was talking about how she got shortlisted. I mean, she got shortlisted, um, and then the eventual design got picked by a corporate committee, and they went for something safe. So. Part of that becomes a patience issue, like speaking to this idea of short game, long game, and how we keep picking a way to develop what we hope will be the end game culture of Calgary. But, you know, for example, anybody like food, hair, music, condominiums, if the market bears something really drab and boring, is like, where is that cut line where you're like, okay, you know, I'll cut 50 bobs this week. But, you know, maybe one person will come in and let me do something fucking, you know, legit with their head. Because um, that grind and that business mentality, at least personally, I'm lacking that. I'm uh, I'm 41, but I'm a petulant, you know, I feel like I'm 12 essentially right now. So how you're describing approaching work or uh, like all of your actual descriptions where you guys start off resonate with me because uh, uh, A, I, I feel like I'm getting stretched out now uh, to the point where I can't even stand up in the morning because I'm running a bunch of stuff, but be like, uh, I don't want to give in and, and ask what the market wants and like produce a magazine for, you know, that will sell necessarily at chapters. Like I still want to do something that's about artists that are in the city, but, uh, you know, not many people are buying it. So is that a patience issue or is there something about, uh, like, how do you survive? Um, how have you survived as businesses and maintained this idea of creativity? Yeah, it's funny. Like I, I don't, I don't bend. Like I don't feel like I'm giving up. Like I'm, I don't feel like I'm doing anything um, that I don't want to be doing. And I think like, at the end of the day, like it has to always be long term vision. Like so, like for me, it's a stepping stool. Like the only reason why I'm here is because of all the endeavors that I did undertake, and some that I may not be super stoked on, but like it does it at some point you have to put on a business hat and you know me and brett talk about this at neighbor all the time it's like hey man someone's not gonna buy a 15 dollars smoothie and he's like no they will do it like it's the dopest and then you know we'll go back and forth and be like okay well it's not selling and he's like yeah you're right maybe we should change it and i think like you know as much as you want to do things that are super cool and i've had these conversations with all these guys like oh yeah let's build this place it'll be super vibey let's do it and then we sit down and we talk about it we're like oh actually you know it'd be fun if we like had endless amounts of money and it was just a place that we wanted to like hang out but that's that's not really always the case right and i think there is time for that but like you know we all have kids like brett brett I but, but i feel like that also comes with experience because um you know early on i was i was way more willing to to like launch into an, an idea and attempt it and then have it have it fail or succeed Whereas now, now I, I can I can analyze it beforehand and, and figure that out without actually going through the failure. So it's so I think that uh, you know the long, you know as an entrepreneur and and a creative, if you're uh, you know if you're in in that uh, line of work for long enough, you're gonna you're gonna have to adapt and you're gonna have to try different things and new things. It's really rare that somebody is doing one thing for their entire career and that remains the same. I mean that just almost doesn't exist. So for sure. 
We got, you have to take a risk and you have to fail. And those are all developmental tools to where we go. And it's funny because Pete was just talking about this. I'm like, hey man, have people ever asked you about stuff? And he brings up Billy at Village. He's I like, yeah. I was just going to say, we yeah, should yeah. juxtapose this part yeah, with your story about yeah, Village. Yeah, and he, because... told, he told Billy, like, you know. like Well, uh, <laughs> well Bill, I've known Billy since he was a kid. And he, he, you know, we sat down before he started Village. And, and he was like, he was like, I've got this idea for ice cream that's like, the best ice cream you've ever tried, <laughs> and I, and I was like, oh, that sounds good. And he's and and then you know he tells me the idea, and I'm I'm like, you know what? I'm like, that sounds great, but just I don't think you should do an ice cream shop in Calgary. I, I think it's the wrong market for it. It's a bad idea. Basically, you know, shitting on his idea, but <laughs> it, but but only only because I'd seen uh uh you know my my friend Matt um start up Fiasco Gelato and. And they were having a tough time in the winters in Calgary, and it was, you know, it just seemed like it was. And then, and the fiasco's actually subsequently um, done really well. Um, you know, it took a little bit longer, but they 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 got to a really good place. And I feel like, um, you know, at the time though, you know, this was this was prior to that, and I was I was I was just witnessing how how tough it was on them, and and so I, you know, I that was that was my take on it. Obviously, I was wrong. <laughs> Uh, and uh, village was a great idea, and it's it's doing well. But uh, you know, it's that's why I'm not in the ice cream business because yeah. I don't know shit about it. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, less accusations. Sh- shout out to Guides Mint uh, <laughs> Village Ice Cream Kiss. Like, yeah, B- Billy's killed it. But that's the thing. Like, what's the difference between Village and a fifteen dollar smoothie? Right? Like, where does the creativity and the business? How do we? How do we know that? I mean, I guess you won't know until yeah, you won't like, know. You just don't. You know. won't know. It's interesting though. Like, so. Yeah, I think we all know Billy here, but Billy is a great example of of someone who uh, really knows their number numbers and and is very uh, analytical versus kind of going on a gut feeling. And, and He's Alan a and I were talking, yeah, Alan and I were talking about this the other day, and uh, I would say like, although I'm I, I know my numbers, I'm I go off of my gut for sure, um, and so it's just figuring out what works for you on on a smaller scale, like with with ODB um, in the market. You know, sorry, we, I thought you meant like old dirty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, all right. Um, <laughs> we have tried different, you know, grab and go foods that that are a bit more exotic, and and we've been lucky because we're right there getting feedback from the customers, and um, and and so you get them to try stuff, and then you you need to push them on on things a little bit, and it's like if you like this, then you're gonna love this, uh, even though it might sound too exotic for you. But yeah, and I think to that point, like. And then, and, and maybe Rich and Pete feel the same way, but for me in our business, we're super fluid. Like we're always talking about like, oh, okay, what's happening out there? Where are things changing? How can we pivot? Do we need to move? Is this too much? Should we look at this? And so we're con- like continuously looking at our business um, and understanding that things evolve very quickly and move very quickly. And then in a boom bust city like Calgary, like things do change and, and they change at, at rapid paces. And so we're always like cognizant of, of how things are moving. Um, and, you know, sometimes our great ideas are not great ideas and we're willing to walk away from them because, um, and, and I think from an artist perspective, sometimes that's a lot harder, right? Cause you, you pour yourself into these projects and you think they're, they're worth this or they're, they're that. Um, uh, but I would tell you, like, I, I have like no emotional attachment anymore to, to these things. Like we try to deliver, uh, a value proposition, something that we believe in, uh, and we hope the market responds. Uh, and, and that's how we approach it. For sure. And I think that's something that another thing you learn as you go in, in entrepreneurship is that you know, when, when you're young and when you start out, your, 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 your entire being is tied to your business. And I think, 
the the uh the, you know what i've learned is 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 that you have to separate yourself otherwise you'll drive yourself crazy so it's 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 a matter of it, you know when when you can get to that point um you can really make decisions that are that are wiser and smarter for the business oftentimes because you're not uh so emotionally tied to things but do you guys find that affects you as creators right i mean you know let's say with the music um over the years do you feel like that might have in retrospect affected the way that you might produce a new track or approach well what it, what i was going to say another thing i was going to say is that at the end of the day we're all we're all in sales i mean so when you talk about uh, a $15 smoothie, I mean, at the end of the day, if you, if it, it's, it's how you sell it. And if you, you, you know, if you put your, if, if you're the greatest salesman on the world, uh, in, in the world, and you, commit, you, you might be able to sell that $15 smoothie. You, you may not, but. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm throwing bread under the bus. There is no $15 smoothie. I don't know no, if there is. a great yeah, yeah. No, no, but maybe, maybe, maybe it has to be a you know, a smoothie window that only sells that smoothie totally. and you're, you're <laughs> no, you're right. To, you know what I mean? Like, it's like th th there might be a way, but at the end of the day, you, you, you know, we're all in sales and we, we, and we figured out how, to, how to sell what, you know, what we're producing. And, and part of that is, you know, the difference is we're oftentimes we're creating what we're selling. And so, um, so it's the same thing with music as a commercial endeavor. I mean, we're, we're creating music that we love and we're, you know, we're in the lab and, and, and do, do sometimes things flow, sometimes ideas flow, and sometimes they don't. And, and, and so, you know, the creative process is one thing. But then once you finish that, it's a matter of using your brand to sell this product. And our, our, our brand is, is, as small town DJs is, you know, has been, we, we've been working at that for 20 years. And so we, when we finish some music, I mean, we, we basically... Land, try to land it with a label try to try to get it uh to the right distribution so that people can hear it and, and people can access it and then uh you know and then we we got to put our sales hat on and we're like this is our this is our product this is what we came up with i hope you guys like it they may like it they may not but you know um the, the goal is to is to grow your your following to the point where uh, you're going to be able to like make a living support your artistic endeavors i mean that's to me that's basically what we're all doing and what what a lot of entrepreneurs are doing is is uh just you know i quit my day job in 2001 and i was my entire goal was to not never have to go back to working nine to five so i've you know so i've uh, i've worked my ass off to try to make that happen through creating things and and, and turning ideas into you know in endeavors more of a 6 a.m to 2 a.m kind of guy yeah, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, nine, nine to five wasn't long enough yeah. so. <laughs> Um, I think all of us as, as just uh, entrepreneurs, we, we, uh, we have to believe in our own stuff, no matter what it is. If that is that $15 smoothie, and if it has doo-doo in it, we need to believe that. Like, I love this smoothie. This is the best smoothie ever. Yeah, yeah. It is worth $15. If I can't think that it's worth $15, no one's ever going to think that it's worth $15. Totally. Right? So you, you need us being the, these people in these positions, we need to love our stuff and we need to put the passion back into what we're doing. Because like I said, if, if we're not liking it, if we're not loving it, there's no one out there that will. Yeah, and I'll add to- To Rich, sound hokey. Yeah, like for me, like when I go into the goat shop, it's not even just about the product. It's actually about the entire experience. It's about, you know, he gives me a sense of 
place where I can go, I can chat. Um, you know, it's it's the entire journey of that experience that sometimes that I'm that I consider the value in. It's not just the product itself. And so, when you talk about like what's it like to go into Artie Lee Brett, what's it like to interact with someone? Like there, there's so much option for collision, placemaking, safe haven, having conversations. And so like those are those are all value that I think oftentimes gets overlooked, uh, and and people try to compare you know product to product, and sometimes it's so much greater. And I think this goes into you know the artistry. I'm sometimes I'm not even concerned about. The, the piece itself i'm more concerned about the artist the backstory like how'd you get here what inspired you what what makes this piece like so amazing to you and i think that's where sometimes we overlook value and so i i think that definitely sets you to that next level when you're able to tell a story um you know simon sinek uh, the ted talk i don't know if you guys have all seen it or not but he he basically says you start with why like you tell your why and that's what people connect with and if you don't tell your why, oftentimes people will miss the connection. You know, the why The why for the smoothie is not just because, you know, it's a smoothie. It's because Brett went and sourced this shit himself because he went to all these places. It's organic. It's local. It has meaning. And I think when you can tell that story and, you know, a lot of guys around this table have done a good job at that is where people start to understand the value. Can I shout out the... Uh the falafel bowl at uh, ODB? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's one of my favorite meals on the planet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, so I thought maybe just as a wrap up, um, it sounds like we're tending towards this idea of yeah, branding and marketing. Um, but I kind of want to twist that to to the idea of not so much where we've been or where Calgary is now, but where do we go next? So, um, I mean, we brought up Copenhagen and and this idea of uh, these cultural, um, yeah, like finding points in the globe. Uh, I want to believe that Calgary is capable of that and hanging out with the artist and creative level that I'm at. I feel like, I mean, the talent and creativity in the city is, uh, is, is, is amazing. It's legit. Um, but from your perspectives, um, just as a final note, is what do we have to do next? What, what is it that Calgary maybe either is missing or that we need to kind of focus our energy in to keep this going, especially with all the, yeah, whether it's real or not, but all of the, surface news shit about yeah the conservatives got in so art's dead or like we don't have enough people in calgary so move to another fucking city or you know all of that negativity what, what can we do to to keep pushing to make uh, keep getting that next little bit of growth in the city yeah you know i i as as you know we just passed our election and um if, if we're going to touch base on that a little bit we still have tons of segregation within the city and with that segregation I think segregation is, is it's 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 rampant in the city in many different ways from your sexual preference, there's a title. To your party that you stand with, there's a title. Your job is a title. And it's 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 looking past these titles. Yeah, you ha you Pete has a title, Al has a title, Brett has a title. But I think looking past our titles and and looking at ourselves as Calgarians first and foremost and what that looks like to us as a whole. We're all sons and daughters of this of this city and um, you know let let's take care of that of, of uh, this city. Yeah I mean I, I feel like right now is definitely a crucial time and I honestly don't think that the that the election is is gonna make uh, make a huge difference in terms of um, you know, p people's 
day to days in 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 the city. I think that it's been a it's been a difficult time in Calgary for the last few years, and that's not going to change overnight because the PCs came in. I think that you know what we are faced with right now is that the it, it's 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 more difficult now than it was five years ago um, to operate in Calgary as an entrepreneur and as a creative, and that's just the nature of the economy. Everything here is tied to oil and gas, and and it uh, you know. It's not diversified enough for for people to be totally successful without you know without that industry thriving. Uh, but that being said, when you're when you're operating on the uh, as a creative and, and and on the arts side, you know these are people that are, would be would almost ninety percent of them would be doing it you know whether they were making money at it or not. And it's like that's what people are doing to survive and to thrive as 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 as, as a human. So it's like you know we're I I feel like on our side you know we're we're dedicated to to pushing and 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 dedicated to to keeping you know what we're doing going and and it's a matter of uh you know just just for for general general personal happiness so i mean and and that's that's kind of what what i see from the other people in the city that are that are also working in the uh, on the creative side just um, a quick interjection before we get to, to the other side of the table but I wonder, just listening uh, so far, you know, Rich brings up segregation. If that's something we need to tackle to, even in the creative industry, where, you know, theater people hang out with theater people, and visual artists hang out with visual people, and you know, painters only hang out with painters. Like maybe we need to like find avenues or ways to bring them all together so that it's just a real melting pot, essentially, of even the creativity and the inve- endeavors we have as a city. I wouldn't know enough actually to talk about those because I don't know enough artists in all those different like fascinating fields. But you know, if to me it was funny like Kenny rode in on a on his blue truck, and one of our biggest standing jokes is like we're having a our our uh, underground parkades are built on two F one fifties, having to be able to pass each other, oh, yeah. and we're like, dude, like no one in the inner That's city. How you guys build your parkades? You have to. It's code. Like that's the requirement. Like the city. Two- City standard is you have to be able to pass two F one fifties with the for, lift kit or for the drive aisle to work. Yeah. And so I'm like, man, I'll take you to ten inner city condos today, and you point out how many F one fifties you see underneath there. Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, true, I, would but have, that's I would have guessed more. It's crazy. Oh. They're everywhere. Oh man, I I absolutely like laugh at it every single time I meet with transportation. And so I think for 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 me, it's like. We can't get stuck in that. Like we need to understand that we need to innovate um, as a city and we need to diversify. And I think the whole Kenny fear excitement is kind of crazy to me. Like, like Pete said, like no one's going to fix our problems overnight. Like it's not going to happen. It's going to take time and we're going to have to be smart and make smart decisions about how we want to grow as a city. And, and we got to double down. Like you don't, you don't get afraid because things are going the way you want them to go. Cause like I said, things do take time when you look at the vote and how it kind of laid out, I think it was like 53% of the popular vote voted that way. So we're really not that far off. Uh, there's still room there. We're talking about a 6% swing in, in the populist vote. Uh, yeah, there's tons of splitting, but there there, there naturally is still division. And, and I think that's a good thing. And I think we need to continue to um, foster that and, and really push our, our elected officials to lead in the way that we see growth. I don't think we're ever going to get rid of natural gas and, and oil in our our city like it, it is a it is embedded in us like the, yeah it's like this it's this stampede like that that's it's going to be a fabric of who we are but that doesn't mean we can't you know innovate and be smart about how we diversify well and 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 to to richard's point about um segregation i mean 
we may live in a bubble. Like I, you know, I, I, I basically uh, spend most of my time in in the Beltline area in downtown Calgary. But to me, one of our strengths about the city is is the kind of cross pollination and 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 different groups that do work, end up working together, as opposed to the 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 segregation uh, side. Because oftentimes in a bigger city, you don't get that where like. I, I bump into these guys, you know, a, a builder and a, and, and, a, and a chef and, and, a, and a, uh, you know, a salon owner. And, and I feel like that's kind of a key to creativity is, is that, you know, because we have a smaller scene and, and despite it, despite the city growing at a rapid rate, you know, the core area is, is, is still quite a small scene. And I feel like part of the key to that is, is collaboration. And, and there's a lot of people that uh, end up working working together on 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 or unorthodox ideas and and different type of endeavors because of that. Brett, any last uh, interjection? Yeah, I think you know the city was built on entrepreneurship and and uh, so I, I think you know all the entrepreneurs around this table we're just gonna put our heads down and and keep contributing however we can um, and it feels like we're going in the right direction. Uh, feels like there's a bit of density happening around the inner city and it's kind of you know, reaching out a little bit and, uh, yeah, I'm excited by it. So I'll just add to that. Cause Pete touched it and Brett touched it. And I talk about it every day. We got to build in, not out. A lot of our sustainable growth is through collisions. Like, like Pete just said, like it's seeing each other more frequently and colliding and we reduce those opportunities as we continue to grow outwards. Uh, but if we reinvest back into our cities, we'll see more of these artistic, creative collisions and the ability to invest back into them because people are more connected. I, I bring this story up a lot, but there was a PBS documentary about coffee and it traces coffee's uh, origin from Ethiopia and how it enters Europe, et cetera. But wherever coffee uh, entered, whatever country, there was a cultural epoch because people would go to coffee houses to get this stimulant, but also stop drinking shit water and old wine. And uh, people get elevated. So it went to Turkey first, and then it goes to Italy, and Italy it corresponds to the Renaissance, goes to France, et cetera. And so it tracks coffee's correlation to culture. Uh, and while we don't have... Uh, yeah, someone from coffee or village ice cream to uh, defend himself. I think um, I, I agree with all of that. I think the, the yeah, idea that this table represents what Calgary is about, that we have uh, what sh- maybe by title should be divergent industries, and you guys all know each other, and you all support each other, and not just like high-fiving each other on the street, but you all seem to talk about where you're at, it, both as creators and as, well, not just both creators, business people, and human beings, uh, no, there's a power there. I think that's why I love the city so much. Uh, I got to tie into it a little bit more uh, and keep growing. Um, okay, I think uh, I think Kyle's telling me I've overrun my five minutes by probably 20. Um, yeah, I, I, thank you all for coming and joining with me in your busy, busy lives. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Dave, thanks, Kyle. Man, it's great. Had any last uh, interjections? No. No. Pete will do the mic drop because he does it all the time. <laughs> Go Flames 2020.
music you've been hearing is a track called Gracious Host. It's graciously given to us by Thomas Thomas Band. They've got a debut EP on Spotify under Thomas Thomas. Yeah, six tracks, great listening, local talent. Check them out. Give them a play. Give them subscribe. Give me your support. Thank you, Thomas Thomas, for setting the tone for this year's Perspectives YYC podcast. Here at Media Lab YYC, we help you share your stories with the public. Video, audio, business, personal. Let us help you take your idea to the finish line.